It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Welcome back to the Barreled Up podcast, everybody. I am your host, Jim Riley. Welcome in to Power Rankings. This is coming out on Tuesday, the day after Labor Day with Monday being Labor Day. Things were kind of crazy. Things were kind of off. A lot of you were maybe not working, enjoying a extra weekend day, a three-day weekend. So here we are on Tuesday for you with our power rankings, we are going through the week that was. Monday is irrelevant here. Whatever happens on Monday is going to have no standing on how the power rankings shake out. This is all Monday through Sunday, the week prior. As we go through and rank teams 30 through 1, give you guys sort of a finger on the pulse on what's happening around the entire league I want to remind you, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the Barreled Up podcast and turn on those automatic downloads if you have not yet so you get the content as soon as it's available. Now, unlike our last maybe month's worth of power rankings, these power rankings will be reflective of how the live stream went because even though the power rankings is making its way to the podcast here on a Tuesday, we did do the live stream over on YouTube and YouTube, the live stream uh, viewers have a say. We run the polls many times throughout. So we have this recording, this uh, this edition of Power Rankings on the podcast will have the results of those polls. So, and I'll let you know where we ran the polls. Let's get into this. Again, 30 through 1. Let's go. Now, this was an interesting week. The Kansas City Royals seem to, I, I don't know, they just seem to be trying to lose. I understand they have the pitcher the, the, the pitcher of the month that's good and great, but outside of that, there's absolutely nothing good happening with this Kansas City team. And this is not to slight Royals fans in the least. You know what I'm talking about. One win this week. One win. So the Kansas City Royals are the number 30 team. The Oakland Athletics, a team that is basically built to lose, is no longer in the number 30 spot. Now, there's a reason why. We'll talk about that in a minute. But one of those reasons is that Kansas City is just not in a good spot right now. They're in at number 30. Number 29 is Oakland. Oakland won four games this week. They went four and two. They got one against Seattle, which is kind of an accomplishment. But then they also swept the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, the Shohei Otani Angels. And that's telling for the Angels. And because of that, the Angels are going to be coming up here very soon in our power rankings. The Angels had been at the number 19 or the number 18 spot. That's going to change big time. So we have the A's in at number 29. Holding in number 28 is the Colorado Rockies. They won one game this week. There's literally nothing to say. We're moving on. The White Sox are in at number 27. They hold at that 27 spot. They also won one game this week. Luis Robert is dealing with a tight quad. He missed games on Saturday and Sunday, hoping for a quick return for him. He's been great this year. Four two-hit games. Over his last seven games, he's been fantastic. I hope, I hope that the White Sox can rebound and bounce back because this 
Luis Roberts' season would have so much more importance, would be would have so much more relevancy, so many more eyeballs on it if the White Sox were good. Luis Roberts having a great season, and, and unfortunately, I, I, I don't know how many people are really, outside of fantasy baseball, outside of Chicago White Sox circles, I don't know who's really noticing it. Number 26 in our power rankings, holding at number 26, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. They went 3-3 three and three this week. They got two out of three from the Padres and then dropped two out of three against the Pirates. Jordan Walker, good week this week. 12 for 21, three home runs, now a 794 OPS on the season, a 274 batting average, 14 home runs. It's interesting because he's kind of been overshadowed this year by Corbin Burns, Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain, Kodai Senga, Spencer Steer, James Altman. All of those players... In my mind, if we're listen, it's 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 Corbin's, it's his award to win the National League Rookie of the Year. So we're kind of looking at how does the rest of the voting shake out. I think Kodai Senga, Spencer Steer, Matt McClain may grab a lot of those second, third, fourth place. I Jordan Walker, who was the favorite for Rookie of the Year as we started the 2023 season, is going to I mean he has been completely overshadowed by the performances by all those players we just talked about so uh we have a good Jordan Walker week maybe he can build on that a little bit but the Cardinals are in at 26 in at 25 falling from number 18 it is the Angels the Angels won one game this week they were swept by the Oakland Athletics karma is a bitch isn't it this team goes out there and they put all the players that they acquired at the trade line, trade deadline plus two others. Uh, you you add that Matt Moore and Hunter Renfro. You you go out there. You put all them on irrevocable waivers. Randall Grichik does not get claimed. Therefore, the Angels are still in a spot where they are going to get a fourth round pick when Shohei Otani leaves, and not a second round pick. And yes, I said when it's over, it's done. Don't even think about it. He's not going to be back. So you have a Randall Gritchick contract that keeps you with that fourth round pick when he leaves. Otani, news tonight is that he is dealing with an injury, dealing with, I believe it was an oblique strain, a a potential tightness there. So you've got, maybe he's going to miss some time. It is out that he is going to get surgery. He's just basically waiting and In my opinion, this is conspiracy theory. Jim talking here, he's waiting to be on his new team. He wants to go through the process, the rehab, talk to the doctors, everything lined up with whatever team he's going to be on moving forward, and it's not going to be the Angels. Angels with a terrible week, a terrible look from a PR perspective, a terrible look from an on-the-field perspective, just everything bad for the Angels right now. They're in at number 25. Moving up one spot, it's the Pittsburgh Pirates. Got a great performance from Oviedo early in the week. Mitch Keller looked good on Friday. Mitch Keller's ERA dropping below four, down into the high threes. And I hope he can keep it there because as we move on, as we look back years down the road, when we're looking at Mitch Keller, I would love for this season, because it's been a good year for Mitch Keller, to be represented with an ERA in the threes. You know how it looks when you look at the back of the baseball card, when you look at the baseball reference page, you're looking at their career. And any anytime you see an ERA four or higher, you kind of 
shrug his shoulders like, yeah, that wasn't a good year. So I hope that he can keep this thing under four so that, again, as, as he moves on in his career and we start to look back this season, the 2023 season is represented uh, as it should be. Five and one this week for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Sweeping Kansas City, getting two out of three from St. Louis. Good week for the Pirates, 63 and 74. They have showed the fight that I thought they would this year. They're not going to get to the win count that I had hoped they would get to. I, I thought Pittsburgh could get to 80 wins to rack up 17 wins now between now and October 1st is probably not going to happen. Highly unlikely. I don't know. If you keep throwing all these five and ones out there, you can get there. That's probably not going to happen, though. But a good step forward for the Pirates this year and a good step forward this week. In at 23, not taking a step forward, is the Washington Nationals. They're one of the teams I've been talking about. I'm interested in how they are going to finish. It's really them and the Tigers that I am closely watching because I feel like if they finish strong, that could be an indication of 2024. It can also be momentum that the front office, that the general manager is able to use when he's convincing the owner to spend more money to bring in free agents. These could be good things. We saw with the Cubs last year. So the Nats had been motoring right along, had a great August, but not a good start to September as they get one win this past week. One in six. They got one of the three games in Toronto and then swept by the Marlins. A step back for Washington this week. Number 22, moving up a spot. It's the Detroit Tigers, that other team that I'm watching as we move forward, move through August to September. When you no longer have a playoff spot to be playing for, how are you performing? And the Detroit Tigers put together a good week this week. They struggled against the Yankees. They only got one. But then they went out and swept the Chicago White Sox. So a 4-3 and three week altogether for the Detroit Tigers. And we saw some good pitching this week from Scooble, Erod, Manning, Reese Olsen. Other than Erod, we're talking about Scooble, Manning, Reese Olsen. Those are three pieces that they're going to build for. You'll build that rotation around next year. And you'll have Turnbull back and you'll have Mize back as well. This Detroit Tigers, those three. I mean, we don't have Turnbull out there right now. We don't have Mize out there right now. So how Erod Manning and Olsen pitch is an indication. And 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 thinking about next year's pitching. I, I don't know. Listen, again, if they finish strong, if it looks like they built some momentum, maybe they make a, a run at bringing Eduardo Rodriguez back next year because he's certainly going to opt out. But at the worst if they decide to not spend in the high, the, the we'll call it the deep end of the of, of the free agency starting pitching pool, if they stay away from Blake Snell, they stay away from Erod and Nola, and they figure that with Scooble, Manning, Turnbull, Mize, and Olsen, plus Jackson Job, who's moved up a couple levels this year, could find his footing at Double A next year. To start, to start the 2024 season, Jackson Job could be a piece that Detroit has as a an uh, addition to that rotation at some point in 2024. So they may decide we don't need to spend in the deep end of that starting pitching market. We'll maybe go for some depth. We'll maybe go for some guys that are in that three to five sort of the back end of the rotation mix and focus the big money 
in other areas. Detroit's going to be interesting. They are in at number 22. In at number 21, the New York Mets. The Mets. The New York Mauricios. I'm, I think I'm just going to refer to them as the New York Mauricios the rest of the way. You finally call up Ronnie Mauricio. He's crushing the ball. He's got hits in every game. Five for his first 11. And what do you do? The very first series with Ronnie Mauricio, bringing a life into that clubhouse, exciting the fan base. They take two out of three from Seattle. Seattle hasn't lost a series outside of that Baltimore series that they lost a couple weeks ago in what feels like forever. Mets just took a series from Seattle. So, Ronnie Mauricio, we've seen it plenty of times this year. We saw it with Ellie De La Cruz. We're seeing it with Jason Dominguez with the Yankees. We're seeing it with Ronnie Mauricio. You bring up that excitement in in the form of one of your top prospects who is just a freakish athlete, and good things happen. And it's happening with the Mets right now. They're 63-74. and They're out of it. Forget any hopes of them making a run at the wild card, but you're going to have some fun, exciting baseball that this fan base can be reinvigorated and build up some excitement again, thinking about what are we going to do this offseason? What are we going to do next year? If the, the, the team had been flat and stale for months, Mauricio has changed that in my mind, in my opinion. And now that fan base can get excited again, excited about what they'll do this offseason, excited about 2024. Next, moving up two spots. And I'm kind of, I look at this and I say to myself, <laughs> The fact that they're moving up two spots, I, I I don't feel good about. I don't feel comfortable with. The San Diego Padres go from 22 to 20. Why? We had the Nats going from 19 to 23. We had the Angels go from 18 to 25. So really, all the Padres did was not collapse this week. And they're able to move up two spots. They're 65 and 73 as of recording this. They dropped two out of three to St. Louis, and then they took three out of four against the San Francisco Giants. Inconsistency at its finest. Yeah, we like the three out of four from San Francisco. Hey, the parade's back on. But just one out of three against the Cardinals? I don't like that. That's the problem. That's why I'm still not buying that this Padres team is going to make it back into the playoff picture. If they had been able to sweep St. Louis and we were looking at a six and one week, maybe my mind would be different, but it just feels like more of that inconsistency we're seeing. Losing two out of three to the Cardinals, taking three out of four against San Francisco. We'll see what they do this week. What's what what's next on the inconsistency stop for the San Diego Padres this week? Well, we'll we'll find out whether we want to or not. We're moving forward uh, on to number nineteen, moving up one spot. It's the Cleveland Guardians taking two out of three from Minnesota, two out of three from Tampa, four and two altogether last week. They got absolutely demolished today, Monday. But again, we're not factoring. Monday's games into the power rankings. This is all the previous week. A good week last week. Got a big series win against Minnesota. This week, going up against the Twins, you kind of were thinking Cleveland was eyeing a sweep because if Cleveland could sweep Minnesota, you would be in a spot where, hey, all we got to do is be three games better 
to win the division. Three games better than the Twins the rest of the way. Well, they, again, on Monday, they had a setback. They got absolutely destroyed by Minnesota. So now they have to be four or five games better than the Twins the rest of the way. So that's not the position you want to put yourself in. But based on what they did last week, the winning week four and two, adding the pieces, adding Giolito, who Giolito again got rocked on Monday. Maybe there's better starts coming. You add to the bullpen with Lopez and more. Arias hitting, Quan hitting, Bo Naylor hitting home runs. Signs of life in Cleveland. Again, take that with a grain of salt because they got destroyed on Monday and what happens on Tuesday and Wednesday will decide if Cleveland's going to be at all a factor the rest of the way. But in our power rankings for this week, they move up one spot. Moving up three spots, and this is where we got to a voting portion of the live stream. Going from 21 to 18, it's the New York Yankees. And I gave the live stream every opportunity to take the Yankees all the way to the number 15 spot. But they chose to leave the Yankees where I had them on my notes, and that was at the number 18 spot. Look, it was a great week, a 6-1 week. Take three out of four from Detroit. Sweep the Houston Astros, your arch nemesis these days. Jason Dominguez gets called up. He goes deep off of Verlander. It was him and three other guys. Verlander was giving out home runs on Friday night. But regardless, Dominguez went deep off of Verlander. You start to see this weekend against the Astros. I talked about it with the Mets. I talked about how it happened with Cincinnati this year. But the Yankees feel good right now. You got Wells, a couple hits, a couple RBIs in his first few games. Peraza, a three-hit game Saturday. Another hit in an RBI on Sunday. Pereira is being productive, and he's stealing bases. And I didn't even mention Volpe yet, who had two home runs over the last week. He's been pretty, pretty solid uh, shortstop. This team, with the youth finally getting a chance, is going to bring excitement and bring life to that fan base and to that franchise. Now, unlike the Mets, Mauricio could have been called up two months ago. The Yankees could not call up Dominguez because Dominguez was struggling terrible at double-A. Finally got it going. When he got it going, they moved him up to triple-A. He continued to crush, and they called him right up. So good job. I think the Yankees called Jason Dominguez up as soon as they could. I think there's an argument that Pereira could have been called up a month earlier. There maybe is an argument that Wells could have come up a little bit earlier, but we're splitting hairs. We're, we're, I, I'm not going to kill him for the whole Wells thing because listen, Wells wasn't banging down the door to get called up. Pereira was good enough to be called up. Dominguez was not until recently. So the Yankees, with this good week, they move up three spots. We're taking it slow. And again, the live chat with the voting, we're taking it slow. We're not ready to go 21 to 15. Put them in that top half of the league just yet. But if they continue, they start with Detroit, who they just took three out of four. They start with Detroit this week. If they can handle them and they can continue to be uh, that team that is is just stacking wins here. Six and one last week. I'm not looking for the Yankees to go six and one again, but if they put up a four and two or a, a, a three and two or some another winning week and they get back to 500, they get over 500, then 
Yeah, the Yankees, depending on what the team, Giants, Diamondbacks, the Reds that we're about to talk about, depending on what they do, the Yankees could see themselves moving up in the power rankings. But for now, we're holding them at 18, but they certainly are trending in the right direction. In at 17, falling back a spot, it's the Giants. The Giants started the week out pretty strong. Took two out of three from the Reds. Cobb almost threw a no-hitter. But then, against San Diego, they fell apart. Losing three out of four. And this cannot happen. The Giants are in a spot right now where when you have an opportunity to capitalize, you have to take it because those second and third wildcard spots are separated by fractions of points right now. The Giants losing three out of four to San Diego. This is one of those series that you could look back on at the end of the year, if the Giants miss the playoffs by two games, you'll look back on this San Diego series as a letdown. Logan Webb. Now, Logan Webb did not pitch against San Diego, but this was this is the problem with Logan Webb. He goes out there on Wednesday, pitched well against Cincinnati. This should have been a sweep against Cincinnati. This is more along the theme of missed opportunities. Logan Webb goes out there, only gives up two runs, but took a loss against the Reds. Fell to 9-11 and with a 3-4-9 ERA. A 3-4-9 ERA with the Braves is a 15-3 record. You've got to get this man some run support. Giants with a disappointing week. Moving on. Falling three spots. Talk about disappointing. The Arizona Diamondbacks, the pitching was destroyed this week. Only Zach Davies didn't get roughed up. Zach Gallen got roughed up twice. A bad week. This is what it looks like when Arizona can't pitch. Last week, we talked about this is what it looks like when Arizona has good pitching because Fott pitched well, Kelly pitched well, Gallen pitched well. Everyone was pitching well. And then this week, everybody struggled except, again, Zach Davies. Bad week. One in five week. Now, to be fair, it was a brutal schedule. Going up against the Dodgers in LA. Going up against Baltimore. They definitely showed more fight against Baltimore, but they gave up a ton of runs. They could not keep pace. There's an opportunity for them to bounce back early this week against Colorado, but then they have four games Thursday through Sunday against the Cubs. So the Diamondbacks are going to be tested. And it's time. Just like with San Francisco. San Francisco... San Diego, Arizona, Cincinnati, the Marlins. It is go time for these guys. Cannot be messing around. And I mentioned San Diego. I should retract that. I know they're still trying. Really, it's more about the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, the Marlins. It's go time. There's four of you. Only two of you can make it. And again, San Diego is looming and trying to crash the party. Next up, at the number 15 spot, holding at 15, it's the Cincinnati Reds. They dropped two out of three to San Francisco and then split with the Cubs. It was a very close series. That could have gone either way. The two games that were separated by four runs on game one and eight runs on the final game of the series, those games were close going into the eighth, and the two middle games of the series were decided by one run. So this was a close series against the Cubs, and the Cubs... We have climbing in the top 10 this week. So Cincinnati, even though they just they split that series, there's certainly an opportunity for that to be a little bit better. So the Reds, the Reds showed their toughness against the Cubs, bouncing back from that series loss to the Giants. So three and four week, but I'm not really that worried about it. That's why we're holding them at 15, 
Hunter Green finally didn't get rocked. He started on Wednesday against San Francisco. Five in a third. No runs allowed. Six strikeouts. Just one walk. That's a good sign. You need to get him on track. Abbott was solid against the Cubs on Saturday. So you've got maybe some good signs there from the pitching. They're going to need that. Moving up three spots. It's the Miami Marlins from number 17 to number 14. Luis Arise was solid this week. Jake Berger with three home runs. Jake Berger with Miami has a batting average of 313. That is 100 points higher than with the White Sox. And his OPS is at 875. So the Marlins are getting some support with the bats. Pitching's been solid. Sweeping the Washington Nationals in Washington is a big achievement, especially when you consider this. They're 70 and 67. They went into that series with the Nats coming off two losses against the Rays, and they were one game below 500. They come out of that series back locked in the hunt for that wild card spot, one of those two wild card spots, and with a ton of momentum. We'll see if they can keep it up. They move up three spots. Moving up one spot, it's the Boston Red Sox. Boston was swept by Houston to start the week, but then bounced back to two out of three from the Kansas City Royals. Tristan Cassis this week, it's 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 him and it's Gunnar Henderson for that AL Rookie of the Year. And September is going to be fun because that's when it's going to be decided in my mind because I do believe that it is close. Cassis, 9 for 21 last week with a homer and three doubles, now an 862 OPS with 22 home runs. These new, we'll call them influencers, for the Boston Red Sox to steal a social media term. And I put it that way because I'm talking Cassis, Bayo, Turner, Yoshida, Duvall, all guys that did not have their fingerprints on anything that Boston did last year. Again, Cassis and Bayo, I understand that they were called up. They made their debuts. They got a, a, a cup of coffee. With the Boston Red Sox last year, they got their careers underway, but this is the year that they're having the impact. They did not have an impact last year. Turner was a free agent acquisition. Yoshida was a free agent acquisition. Duvall was brought in in the offseason. So you have all of these players. You have five guys that were brought in and are having a solid impact helping this team to the point where we're at 71 and 66 right now. Imagine if they had more talent that they were able to carry over from last year's team other than just Devers. Kike was a disappointment. Bogarts is gone. Sales been in and out injured. So this team, 71 and 66. Now Cassis, Bayo, Yoshida, they all fit into the future. We'll see what happens with Turner and his option. We'll see what happens with Duvall as he can be a, he'll be a free agent. You've got a Red Sox team that has some Nice, so some nice performances from some some new guys that are stepping up for the team. Boston is in at 13. In at 12, holding at 12, it's the Minnesota Twins. They dropped two out of three to Cleveland, but then bounced back and then and took two out of three in Texas. Good pitching this week. Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan pitched well, and that is what is going to lead them. If we see a Minnesota and Texas playoff matchup, oh boy. If uh, the, listen, Texas has to still make it. They have 
really been struggling. They are in, they are still in the process of a collapse. Here we are on Monday again recording after the Rangers lost earlier today. So they have a half game lead over the Blue Jays for the final wild card spot. And there's talk that Max Scherzer has a forearm thing. So the Rangers are in trouble. Can they hold on? If they do, and you see a Minnesota-Texas matchup, obviously Texas does not match up well against Minnesota. They would want nothing to do with that. Twins are in at 12, holding at 12. 71 and 66 on the year now, 3 and 3 this past week. Number 11, and here is where we voted. We voted on the Rangers or the Blue Jays to climb into the top 10 and grab the number 10 spot. Last week, we had the Rangers at 10 and the Blue Jays at 11. Thanks to the vote, these two teams flip flopped. And after Monday's performance, it looks even better because the Blue Jays won and the Rangers lost. The Rangers, 76 and 60. Heading into today, they're now 76 and 61. 3 3 last week, took the two out of three from the Mets and again lost. Lost two out of three to the Twins. Corey Seeger has been great. I guess they were right when the shift goes away. Corey Seeger was losing way too many hits to the shift. He's been unbelievable. 341 average and OPS over 1,000. He's a lock to go over 30 home runs. That has nothing to do with the shift. But it kind of does. Your hitting approach is obviously changed when the defense is in a different spot. But regardless, you have a Corey Seager that is having an amazing season. And if not for Shohei Otani, should be an MVP candidate, a, a MVP, a legit MVP candidate. Not just, you know, one of the top five guys in the AL, but seriously, somebody that should be considered for it. Otani's going to get it, but Corey Seager has been that good. Again, Scherzer. We got a forearm thing that we're monitoring, but another good start on Friday. Lowers his ERA to 2-2-1 with the Rangers. Avaldi is looking to be back on Tuesday when you're listening to this. So the Rangers, maybe they can get back on track. Again, losing on Monday. They're not off to a good start this week. But the Rangers fall back to number 11 because of our vote that took the Blue Jays to the 10th spot. The Blue Jays are four and two week. They took two out of three from Washington. They took two out of three from the Rockies. Bo. Bichette, eligible to return on Friday, was running sprints on Sunday. Matt Chapman, swelling has gone down considerably, hopeful to resume swinging and throwing this week, so maybe they'll get some pieces back. But while they've been out, the guys that have had to step in have stepped up. Ernie Clement, 10 for 23. Santiago Espinal, 7 for 12. Davis, Babe Schneider, 7 for 21. You have... Some great performances from guys that would have drastic, drastically less playing time if Bo was there, if Chapman was there. Schneider would probably still be getting some decent reps, but he may be in and out of the lineup more. So you have a Jays team that is stepping up and getting it done. A 4-2 and two week. I get it. It's against Washington, Colorado. But consider Bo is their best hitter. He was out this week. Chapman... Could argue he's their best defensively. He was out this week, and Jays still got it done. Let's move on into the top 10. The number nine team, the Houston Astros, falling back two spots. They did sweep Boston to start the week, but then they were swept by the Yankees to finish the week. This Astros team, the home and road splits are perplexing as can be. On the road, 42 and 27. At home, 35 and 34. How? How is that the case? How is this going to play out as this team, I still believe, will make the playoffs? 
gets into the postseason and is a home has a home field advantage. Is it really a home field advantage? Would you rather be the road team if you're the Houston Nationals? I don't know what's going on. This could just be bad luck. The 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 run differential at home negative seven on the road plus one hundred. It's incredible. The the home road splits for the Houston Astros. They got to figure that out. Moving back two spots from seven to nine. Holding at number eight, the Philadelphia Phillies. They took two out of three from the Angels to start the week. They closed the week, dropping two out of three to the Milwaukee Brewers. Three and three overall, 75 and 61 now on the season. Trey Turner. Phillies fans finally, right? Amazing week from Trey Turner. 11 for 26, six home runs, crushing the ball, making up for lost time. And over the last 30 games, a 328 batting average, a 689 slug with 11 homers, 31 RBI. Finally, as Trey Turner picked up, you started to get some pitching and Bryce Harper got hot. All of a sudden, this Philly team looked dangerous. Now, the only thing I worry about here is Aaron Nola. Roughed up again this past week. You can almost see it. You can see the path where if the Phillies get tripped up in the postseason, it's because Nola blew up. I got to have both of them. If I'm the Phillies, I got to have Wheeler and I got to have Nola. I can't have just one. Because if I throw Wheeler out on game one, I need Nola on game two to either get us to another game, if we're playing in the first round, or to clinch the thing and end it right there. And I can't have Nola potentially putting us behind if he goes out there on game one or can't get it done in game two. I got to have both of them. I can't have this up and down inconsistency from Aaron Nola roughed up again. We got to get better from Aaron Nola. I need to trust him. I need to trust Nola, and I just don't right now. Phillies, though, hold at the number eight spot after a three and three week. Falling back one spot, the Milwaukee Brewers. Brewers were six last week. They dropped back one to the number seven spot, a three and three week. They dropped two out of three to the Cubs. They took two out of three from the Phillies. So we have them in front of the Phillies, which is right. And we have them behind our number six team, the Cubs, which is right because the Cubs just took two out of three. Let me finish on the Brewers and then we'll get to the Cubs. Mark Canna, since coming over at the trade deadline, has been great for Milwaukee. 8 for 21 this week in the 28 games with Milwaukee since coming over. He has an 845 OPS. That is 120 points higher than it was with the New York Mets. This Brewers team was in search of diamonds in the rough, if you will, for that offense to try to boost it. And they've gotten it from Mark Canna in a big way. You have that. You have the other players contributing. And then you have the pitching. Burns, Peralta, Woodruff, all good starts this week. Miley started twice. He was good against Chicago, not good against Philadelphia. But if you're going out there and you can trust Burns, Peralta, Woodruff, you can get something good out of Miley. You can get something good out of Lauer when he goes out there. That That's when this team is at its best. That's how Milwaukee has gotten into this conversation to the number six spot last week. The number seven spot last week has been the pitching, and we're looking forward to that continuing, and that is what Milwaukee's going to need to ride if they're going to make a postseason run. Number six, I told you it's the Cubs. Moving from the number nine spot last week to the number six spot this week. They won again today, Monday. That is not factored in here, but 
after the win on Monday, 74 and 64. Now 10 games over 500. They took two out of three from Milwaukee to start the week last week, and then they split that series in Cincinnati. Javier Assad, Kyle Hendricks, Justin Steele. You've got three starts last week from those three guys. Didn't allow a run. Wicks, five innings, one run allowed. Assad, back to him. Over his last seven games, six of which have been starts, as they moved him into that rotation, 2-0 with a 1.77 ERA. If Marcus Stroman doesn't go down, is Javier Assad getting this opportunity? The answer to that is I don't know. Maybe he would. Maybe it would be Wicks who's not getting an opportunity. We'll never know the answer to that. But it's interesting to consider. He's been great for the Chicago Cubs, and it's a boost. Hendricks has been good. Steele is a Cy Young candidate, legit Cy Young candidate. We'll see how that plays out in time. But you have a Cubs team that can pitch with the best of them, and they seem to really be hitting their stride right now as a group. For the for the longest stretch earlier in the year, it was Stroman that was carrying them. Steele was good, but Steele seems to be even better right now, getting stronger as the year goes on. Assad is getting stronger. Hendricks is pitching well. There's so many good things happening from a pitching perspective for the Cubs. And then as far as hitting goes, Hap been playing well over the last couple of weeks. He seems to be stepping up this last week, 10 for 26 with four doubles and two home runs. Cody Bellinger, 9 for 29, three home runs. Now a 320 batting average, a 916 OPS, and 23 home runs. He's not an MVP candidate in the National League, but he has been a highly valuable player. If there was a an HVP award, the highly valuable player, Cody Bellinger steps in, steps into mind. If I think about, listen, it's Acuna, it's Betts, that's how this thing's going to go. But Cody Bellinger has been so important for the Chicago Cubs this year, and he's been really good lately as well. Let's get into the top five. I'm going to leave the Mariners right at the number five spot. A three and three week. It wasn't a good week. They took two out of three from Oakland. Okay. I mean, I'm kind of expecting a sweep, but okay, at least two out of three. And then they dropped two out of three to the New York Mauricios. And if you missed that part of the podcast, if you're skipping around, if you're moving around, the Mets. This Mariners team, with the pitching that they're getting from Gilbert and the pitching that they're getting from Castillo, Brian Wu pitched well again this week too. This team, Gilbert, this team now has two aces guaranteed at the top of this rotation. And what do I what am I talking about? Gilbert, I believe since July. 7-0, and he's a guy you can trust every time now. No questions about it. I think he has established himself. He was always good. He was always the top of the rotation guy. But now I'm ready to give Logan Gilbert ace status. Luis Castillo has ace status. What makes an ace? I think we all have our own definition of what makes an ace. But I think something we can all agree upon is that an ace are these two things. And Ace is the guy that you trust every single time he goes out there to dominate, to give you a chance to win. I, I'm putting Gilbert in that category now. I also think an Ace is somebody that you won on the mound when you're trying to stop a losing skid. You lost back-to-back games. You lost three. You lost four. You lost five. Whatever it is, who's going to be the stopper? Who says, give me the ball, this ends today? I think Logan Gilbert has reached that level as well. 
That's going to be big for Seattle as they move forward. Gilbert, again, was solid this week against the Mets. It was the only game that Seattle won against the Mets. He looked really good. Crawford hitting well again. Teoscar Hernandez showing up in OPS over 1,000 in August. This past week, 8 for 23, two home runs. J-Rod playing well still. J-Rod today, Monday, achieved a milestone. 25 homers, 25 steals. He did that last year, too. So we're talking about a rookie with back-to-back 25-25 seasons. Hasn't been done. It's good stuff from Julio Rodriguez. He's playing well. The Mariners are locked in. Number four, moving on, it's the Tampa race. They got two from Miami and then struggled against Cleveland, losing two. One-run games. The two losses were one-run games. So a bounce here, a play there, a decision there is the difference in a one-run game many times. We had some good starts this week from Glasnow, Eflin, Savali, Bradley, pitched well. Here's my question. Can the Rays make a serious run with that group of starters? There's no McClanahan. There's no Rasmussen. There's no Springs. Can this team make a run with Eflin, Savali, Glasnow, and Bradley? I am skeptic over that. But for now, anyway, it's a 3-2 and two week, an 83-54 and 54 record, and they're in at number four. Next up, we had a vote. In the live stream, I asked the viewers who should be the number two team. And the teams that we were voting on were the Dodgers and the Orioles. And the voting went like this. In at number three, dropping back from the number two spot, the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers took the first three games from Arizona, sent Arizona into a tailspin because Arizona had been hot. Dropped three out of four to the Atlanta Braves. Essentially, what I think happened in our live stream is the Braves paid, or the Dodgers paid a tax for, I I don't want to say they didn't show up, but for not performing. Let's put it that way. The Dodgers paid a you didn't perform tax, and that was dropping back from the number two spot to the number three spot, because I still believe that the Dodgers are one of the best teams in baseball. They're just not the best team in baseball. And certainly the Orioles have a claim in there as well. So for this week, the Dodgers are in at number three. And we will see how that continues. I can see the Dodgers bouncing back. They're still a good team. Mookie Betts is still a great player. But this team, with all eyes on you. Listen, these were not nationally televised games. I get that. It wasn't ESPN on Sunday night. It, It was Sportsnet LA. It was all of that. But... With the attention of the Major League Baseball world on you, with the momentum that had been built around Mookie Betts versus Ronald Acuna for MVP, for the Dodgers to lose the first three games and then have to lean on Bobby Miller to get the job done, I can't say that I like that. I do like Bobby Miller stepping up, going out there like a seven-year Pro, a veteran, a leader, an ace. I love that. But I don't love that it took to Bobby Miller to finally get a win. So the Dodgers drop three out of four to the Braves. In at number two, it's the Baltimore Orioles. Based on that vote, the Orioles went four and two this week. They're now 85 and 51. They took two out of three from the White Sox. They took two out of three from the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish all pitched well this last week, and they've all been pitching well lately. Over the last seven starts, Kramer has a 2-6-1 ERA. Rodriguez, a 2-3-2 ERA. Bradish, a 3-0-3 ERA. That's all well and good. I just wonder how they're going to pitch when it is the postseason, when they are at new innings, career highs. I just, I that is going to be one of the most fascinating elements to the postseason to me is this Orioles pitching staff, how they hold up. Anthony Santander with two more home runs this past week. Now 26 on the season. That is the team lead. Anthony Santander is one of the most, I believe. Now maybe he is respected, but I feel like he's still underrated. Anthony Santander is going to hit 30 home runs this year. He is he is the big bopper in that lineup. I know Adley, Adley went deep this week. 17th home run for him. It was his first since August 10th. I know Gunnar Henderson has 22 home runs, but Santander is a threat with the bat. And it's gonna he's gonna have to pick up the slack along with these other bats, Adley and, and Gunner and, and the rest of that crew, Cedric Mullins. Because I think that if the Orioles are going to make a run, they are gonna have to slug their way to it. And I worry that at some point they're going to run up against the team. Maybe it's Houston. Maybe it's Seattle. Maybe it's in the World Series against the Atlanta Braves where a pitching staff is just going to come in and shut them down. And that's where I need to have a rotation that can be equal to the task. And if the Braves are shutting us down or Seattle shutting us down or whoever's shutting us down, I got to have Dean Kramer, Grayson Rodriguez, and Kyle Bradish answering. I don't know if they're going to do that, but it will be fascinating to see if they can. In at number one, it is the Atlanta Braves after sweeping the Rockies to start the week. Took three out of four from the Dodgers to close the week. Ronald Acuna Jr. with a great series against the Dodgers. A great week in general. But against the Dodgers, the three home runs, the Grand Slam was sort of the kickoff to that series. That Grand Slam on Thursday night. But he, in my opinion, cemented his MVP status Because here's what's going to happen, and I don't mean to get sidetracked on this, but I'm going to get sidetracked for a minute. Here's what's going to happen. When the voters are casting their ballots, they're going off of memory, and sometimes they're going off of recent memory. And one of the things they're going to have in recent memory is about a month or two ago, these two teams played a huge series, and Ronald Acuna Jr. helped lead that Braves team to a three out of four series victory. And he was big. He was clutch in that series. They're going to remember that. And they're going to remember that it was against Mookie Betts, who is most likely going to be his most, um, his, his closest competitor for that award. So they're going to remember that. They're going to remember the two going head to head. And listen, Mookie had a nice series, but Ronald Acuna had a better series. They're going to remember that. And they're also going to be awed by his final numbers. We're already at 30 and 60, which is crazy. 30 and 70 is a very real possibility. You mean he he stole four bases last week. You don't think he's going to steal 10 bases over the next four weeks? He's going to. So 70 is going to happen. So we're going to be at 30 and 70 
And if this team is at all being pushed, and if he feels like he's got to lock in and go to to try to find to go go and try to find another level to make sure that there are no doubters, I don't think we can completely rule out 40 home runs either. So 40 and 60, oh my God, 40 and 70 is all in play for Ronald Acuna. There is no chance in hell that Mookie Betts can take the MVP from Acuna if that's what Ronald Acuna does. And you can't say that he's not going to do it because as it is, if I had told you at the beginning of the year that Ronald Acuna Jr. was going to steal 60 bases and hit 30 home runs, you would have laughed. We're at laughable numbers time, guys. So 30 and 60 is laughable. 30 and 70 is laughable. 40 and 70 is laughable. It's all laughable at this point. You can't say none of it can happen because... 99% 99% of baseball fans would have said 30 and 60 from Ronald wouldn't happen. But here we are. So you have Ronald Acuna Jr. absolutely on fire right now. Olsen hit his first home run since August 13th. He's still among the league leaders in home runs, but he finally went deep. Harris with a good week. Azuna has been crushing the ball. Three home runs. Riley crushing the ball. Orlando Arcia crushing the ball. Had the game-winning home run on Saturday So this Braves team is locked in. You got good pitching from Elder, Morton, Freed, Strider, all solid over the last week. You have that group. Plus, you might have Kyle Wright coming back. This Braves team is going to be difficult. I don't know who can beat them. When I think about who can beat the Atlanta Braves, I was asked this recently in a live stream. The only team I could come to was maybe Houston. I actually feel like the, 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 the Braves themselves are more likely to be the team that can beat the Braves. What do I mean by that? If the Braves go out there and beat themselves, they start making mistakes in the field and on the bases, and you have location issues all of a sudden for Max Fried. You have you 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 have spin rate issues for Strider. I don't know. You have Acuna goes into a slump. I think that's that is more likely to happen. The Braves beat themselves than anybody else right now because I don't know if the Houston look at Verlander. Look at Verlander just getting roughed up by the Yankees. I don't know if there's a team that can beat the Atlanta Braves. A a team that is hot on fire, team of destiny, whoever that may be, steps up. We'll have to see. But this Braves team is certainly lined up. That's why we play the games. Because if I look at it right now, I I, I go Houston maybe. You could think Seattle as a potential team, but Seattle strikes out way too much. I don't think Baltimore's pitching lines up. I don't think the Rays pitching lines up. They've they've just been too many injuries for the Rays. So when we get to a World Series conversation, any American League team that lines up against Atlanta is going to struggle. And in the National League, the team that could maybe topple the Braves was the Dodgers, and we just saw what happened. Now, Clayton Kershaw did not go in that series, so maybe... You have Clayton Kershaw. You know, if you're going into an NLCS, you're going to make sure Clayton Kershaw pitches. And Walker Bueller's working his way back as well. That's another element here. Walker Bueller pitched two innings at Oklahoma City on Sunday. So he's working his way back. He will be in a Dodgers uniform soon. So you've got Bueller. It could look completely different in about a month and a half if these two teams square off in the in the playoffs when you have Clayton Kershaw. You have Walker Bueller, you have Bobby Miller, who has all of the confidence in the world going up against that lineup. I really hope we get to see these two teams play again, and I hope it's in the NLCS. No disrespect to the Phillies. 
I love the Phillies. If it ends up being the Phillies and Braves, bring it on. That'll be great too. But I would love to see the Dodgers with Bueller and Kershaw in there. I'd love to see Miller against the Braves again. Again, no disrespect to the Giants, the Phillies, the Marlins, the Brewers, the Reds, the Cubs, any of those teams. I would love to see Braves and Dodgers again. They are the Braves, the number one team in Major League Baseball. And it's not close. In our live stream, we put a wedge gap in between one and two. We're at that level now where it is not even a conversation. It is not even close. The Dodgers could go one and five this week and the Orioles could go five and one and the Braves are still going to be the number one team. That is power rankings for this week, everybody. I do appreciate you coming in. Went a little bit longer this time. I really got into some of the teams, which will happen. But hopefully at this point, if you've been listening long enough and you've been with the channel long enough, you kind of expect that. Maybe you maybe you enjoy some of those tangents that I'll go on sometimes. But I do appreciate you coming in and spending some time here with the podcast. Again, make sure to subscribe if you have not yet. If you have listened all the way through to this thing and you're not subscribed, please subscribe and turn those automatic downloads on so when new content is posted... It is available. I have a couple of guests lined up this week. One locked in for sure later this week is Eric from Humbaby Baseball. We are going to be talking about unwritten rules. Eric just put together a video on YouTube, the top 10 unwritten rules in Major League Baseball, and it got me thinking that that would be a fantastic 30-minute conversation in a podcast to dive into that Unwritten rules, what's BS, what's legit, what's this, what's that. I feel like we have a fun conversation about that, so we'll be doing that later in the week as long as nothing happens and, and things don't have to change. And we're working on one more guest that is not 100% locked in yet, so I don't want to tell you who that is just yet. But as for this podcast, this episode, Power Rankings, that's a wrap. We are done. Again, make sure to subscribe and turn those automatic downloads on, everybody. Share the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell everybody that you know that's a baseball fan about what we're building here with the podcast. And be sure to rate and review. This podcast grows when you guys help support us. So thank you again for listening and subscribing, rating, and reviewing. That's it for this one, guys. I will talk with you later on in the week when we have Eric on and our other guest. Hopefully, if not, we'll be on another one. We'll, we'll get at least two more on this week. That's it for this one, everybody. I do appreciate you coming in and spending some time. Thank you for your ears, and I'll catch you next time. Next time.